Hey out there, welcome to the Ray Infinity Show podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Ray, and this is episode number 94. Now, it's been a, I haven't done an episode in a few days, but like I was taking the last few days off, and I'm back here for today. Today, obviously, you can tell from the title, we're going to be talking about former Vice President Joe Biden's State of the Union 2023 address. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm, I like I'm. I'm a little late right now, so the address might have started already. I just, I just got here a little late because I was busy trying to get. I was trying to get ready, but yeah, sorry about about that, guys. Um, I'm getting, I'm getting everything up right now. So yeah, let me pull this. Let me. I'm gonna try to see. Try, I'm gonna try to pull the stream up. Give me one second. Yeah, if I have time for it, for a few other stuff, I might do. Um, like um, talk about a couple other stuff after the address. I might. I don't know for a fact though. Let me see. Biden's State of the Union. Okay, I'm going to try to pull this up. Okay. Okay, I'm trying to find it. It's a little... I got... I got it. I'm going to use NBC right here. Not be... The only reason is because I'm trying to look not. I'm trying. I don't want to look like I'm being partisan right here, so that's why I have to use like NBC or CNN just to listen to this. But I don't. I don't. I'm not. A, I'm not proud of it, but I got to. Don't. I can't look like I'm being partisan right here. So yeah, let me pull this up. I think you guys can see this. Yeah, and this is the live coverage of it. He warned his members this morning not to okay. cause any kind of scene. That the lights are on, the cameras and mics are hot. Okay. He does not want to see any distractions today. And President Biden about to enter the House chamber. Let's listen to the announcement okay. from the House Speaker. Sergeant. Oh, here it is. President of the United States. Here it is. Wow, wow, wow. Look at Potato Head right here, guys. Look at Potato Head. He doesn't even know what he's doing. He doesn't even know what he's doing, guys. President making his way into the chamber is being greeted all smiles right now. We'll see what it looks like uh, at the end. But uh... by the way, guys, most of the people right here that are greeting him like like that are just establishments. Like um, there's establishment Democrats and establishment Republicans right there that are greeting him. So it's not like it's just being it's not like um, it's just only Democrats doing it. No, it's both sides doing it. I'm just telling you that right now. So, yeah. Well, like, yeah. Like I, like I said, I didn't get a chance to prepare that well because like um I I was getting ready for some I was getting ready so that's why it's not I'm not I'm, that's why it's not I'm going I'm going a little slower than usual, but yeah guys I'm gonna try to fix that from now on I'm I'm gonna try to so, I'm sorry about that but that's just what's what happened so yeah <laughs> yeah uh second second. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to try to turn this up right now. Turn this on. So, yeah. Between what has been strong economic news, the lowest unemployment rate in more than 50 years, inflation still too high, but certainly easing right now. And the satisfaction, the no, it's not easy. The direction 
of the country for most Americans right now who feel like the economy is not working for them. The White House believes that its policies, the president's accomplishments are popular, but that Americans don't even know exactly what they are. And I hope he can communicate that directly to Americans tonight, with the takeaway being that Joe Biden has your back. He will say jobs are coming oh back God. and pride is coming back. No, Watch they're him. not. They're being shipped over faster in the one, than, in the words than of ever White before. House official tonight as the year of implementation to try to put all of those efforts into effect. I've been struck by reading the excerpts ahead of tonight's speech. This looks yeah. like the president's going to try to sort of lower the temperature tonight, effectively mm. staying away from those attacks on MAGA Republicans instead, oh, saying that there is no reason that we can't work together on some of the topics they no, hope to get we, done. Ma we MAGA people like are not going to be working with you guys. We refuse to cancer. work with the establishment. Of course, for this president, the stakes are very high right now, not just for his administration in this term, but for his presidential future. This, in many ways, is the unofficial kickoff to 2024, <laughs> where, among other things, yeah. his job tonight will be to try to convince Democrats that he's prepared for another four years. So <laughs> and it's not, of course, uh, Peter, not just domestic issues, but tonight's State of the Union comes amid rising tensions with China. Over I've said beforehand, and I'll say it again, like, um, they don't want Biden in, but there's no way he's not going to get in. Like, He's obviously going to become president in 2024. I'm fully 100% convinced of that. There's nothing anyone can say that will change my mind on that. Because people, Zoomers, my generation, apparent, apparently love Biden so much. Like, apparently he's probably their favorite president from, from everything I can tell. So that's why I, the only hope Republicans have, well, at least um, people that aren't part of the establishment have, is 2028. 2024 is a lost cause. It's pretty obvious. I don't think there's any debate right there, at least not in my opinion is. Like, 2024, I mean, is is the only hope we have left. Like, well, actually, no, my mistake. 2024 is done. Like, there's no hope for that. 2028, that is the last of the hope we have. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, let me see. I'm going to turn this back on. Like, I'm making sure everything's set right here. By the way, this is not the first time that a balloon from China has crossed into U.S. airspace. They just discovered it had happened three times under President Trump. That part's not true. Previously under President Biden, but never before for this duration. And it was not known until now. And NBC News is reporting tonight the administration is working to declassify how China sent balloons to spy on dozens of other countries as well. Lester. And we saw the president just a moment ago with members of the Joint Chiefs offering a salute to uh, Chairman uh, uh, Milley, and now the president making his way to greet Kevin McCarthy, the new Speaker of the House, who will be looking over his shoulder. And Chuck Todd, uh, reading the themes of this speech, this idea of unfinished business, this reads like the beginning of a 2024 yeah. campaign for this president. Well, it should. I mean, this is an opportunity that he's going to have. Not many opportunities. You get 30 million people, even okay. supposedly fewer than before. 30 million. Well, nowhere else. I'm setting the link million. out to so other people to be starting to test out his reelection things. I'm I'm sending out links to the other the other other people in case they want to come on too, because I'm very very curious about this. So to see if every anyone else wants to join in and have a talk conversation. Look, you would assume that how he, he's going to talk about what he did in those first two years, if it's all about implementation, well, that sounds like a real life. 
Mr. Speaker. Here it is. Here Madam Vice President, our First Lady and Second Gentleman, good to see you guys up there. <laughs> Members of Congress. Yeah. Look at McCarthy there. Look at McCarthy just way, clapping. Says, I may need a court order. She gets to go to the, the game tomorrow, uh, next week. I have to stay home. Next week. Got to work something out here. <laughs> Members of the cabinet, leaders of our military, chief Another justice, mistake associate made. justice, and retired justice, the Supreme Court, and to you, my fellow Americans. You know, uh, I start tonight by congratulating the 118th Congress the new Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. Okay. That is... I'm going to be saving this right Speaker, here. Speaker, I don't want to ruin your reputation, but I look forward to working with you. <laughs> I want to congratulate the new leader of the House Democrats, the first African-American minority leader in history, Hakeem Jeffries. He won in spite of the fact I campaigned for him. <laughs> Yeah. Congratulations to the longest-serving leader in the history of the United States Senate, Mitch McConnell. Where are you, Mitch? Oh, my God. And congratulations to Chuck Schumer, another, uh, you know, another term as, as Senate Minority Leader. Uh, you know, I think you... Uh, only oh, this time you have a slightly bigger majority, Mr. Leader. You're the majority leader. About that much bigger? Yeah. Well, I tell you what. I want to give special recognition to someone who I think is going to be considered the greatest speaker in the history of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi. Oh, my. Oh. That, that is embarrassing. That is extremely embarrassing right there, guys. Yeah. Extremely embarrassing. Yeah. Folks, the story of America is a story of progress and resilience, of always moving forward, of never, ever giving up. It's a story unique among all nations. We're the only country that has emerged from every crisis we've ever entered stronger than we got into it. Look, folks, this, that's what we're doing again. Two years ago, the economy was reeling. I stand here tonight after we've created, with the help of many people in this room, 12 million new jobs, more jobs created in two years than any president's created in four years because of you Most all. of those, the, almost all of those were just um, jobs that were already taken away from people. Two years ago. And two years ago, COVID had shut down. Our businesses were closed. Our schools were robbed of so much. And today, COVID no longer controls our lives. And two years ago, democracy faced its greatest threats in the Civil War. And today, though bruised, our democracy remains unbowed and unbroken. 
as we gather here tonight, we're writing the next chapter of the great American story, a story of progress and resilience. When world leaders ask me to define America, and they do, believe it or not, I say I can define it in one word, and I mean this, possibilities. We don't think anything is beyond our capacity. Everything is a possibility. You know, we're often told that Democrats and Republicans can't work together. But over the past two years, we've proved the cynics and naysayers wrong. Yes, we disagreed plenty. And yes, there were times when Democrats went alone. But time and again, Democrats and Republicans came together. Came together to defend a stronger and safer Europe. It came together to pass one in a, gen one in a generation, once in a generation infrastructure law, building bridges <laughs> connecting our nation and our people. We came together to pass the most significant law ever, helping victims expose the toxic burn pits. And in fact, <laughs> it's important. And in fact, I signed over 300 bipartisan pieces of legislation since becoming president from reauthorizing the Violence Against Women Act, the Electoral Count Reform Act, the Respect for Marriage Act that protects the right to marry the person you love. And to my Republican friends, if we could work together the last Congress, there's no reason we can't work together and find consensus on important things in this Congress as well. I think... Folks... You all are as formed as I am, but I think the people sent us a clear message. Fighting for the sake of fighting, power for the sake of power, conflict for the sake of conflict gets us nowhere. That's always been my vision of our country, and I know it's many of yours. To restore the soul of this nation, to rebuild the backbone of America, America's middle class, and to unite the country. We've been sent here to finish the job, in my view. For decades, the middle class has been hollowed out and more than, and not no one administration, but for a long time. Too many good paying manufacturing jobs move overseas. Factories closed down. Once thriving cities and towns that many of you represent became shadows of what they used to be. Along the way, something else we lost. Pride, our sense of self-worth. I ran for president to fundamentally change things, to make sure our economy works for everyone, so we can all feel that pride in what we do to build an economy from the bottom up and the middle out, not from the top down. Because when the middle class does well, the poor have a ladder up and the wealthy still do very well. We all do well. Look at, look at Bernie Sanders right there. Look at, look at him. He's still wearing a huge a mask. a lot of you always kid me for always quoting my dad, but my dad used to say, Joey, a job's about a lot more than a paycheck. You really would say you this. Also, you also it's plagiarize a lot, a lot of speeches, too. It's about your dignity. It's about respect. It's about being able to look your kid in the eye and say, honey, it's going to be okay and mean it. Well, folks, so let's look at the results. We're not finished yet by any stretch of the imagination, but unemployment rate is at 3.4%, a 50-year low. A near record... A near record unemployment. Near record unemployment for black and Hispanic workers. We've already created 
your help. 800,000 good paying manufacturing jobs, the fastest growth in 40 years. And where is it written? Where is it written that America can't lead the world in manufacturing? And I don't know where that's written. For too many decades, we imported projects and exported jobs. Now, thanks to what you've all done, we're exporting American products and creating American jobs. <laughs> Folks, inflation, inflation has been a global problem because the pandemic disrupted our supply chains and Putin's unfair and brutal war in Ukraine um, disrupted en energy supplies as well as food supplies, blocking yeah. all that grain in Ukraine. But we're better positioned than any country on earth right now. But we have more to do. But here at home, inflation is coming down. Here at home, gas prices are down $1.50 from their peak. Food inflation is coming down, not fast enough, but coming down. Inflation has fallen every month for uh, the last six no, months. No, it's not. Well, take home pay has gone up. Additionally, over the last two years, a record 10 million Americans applied to start new businesses. 10 million. And by the way, every time, yeah. every time someone is he going to talk about all those small businesses that lost money over these and last Madam Vice years? President, I want to thank you for leading that effort to ensure the small businesses have access to capital and the historic laws we enacted that are going to just come into being. Standing here last year, I shared with you a story of American genius and possibilities. Semiconductors, small computer chips the size of a fingerprint that power everything from cell phones to automobiles and so much more. These chips were invented in America. Let's get that straight. They were invented in America. We used to make 40% of the world's chips. In the last several decades, we lost our edge. We're down to only producing 10%. We all saw what happened during the pandemic when chip factories shut down overseas. Today's automobiles need 3,000 chips, each of those automobiles. But American automobiles couldn't make enough cars because there weren't enough chips. Car prices went up. People got laid off. So did everything from refrigerators to cell phones. We can never let that happen again. That's why. That's why we came together to pass the Bipartisan Chips and Science Act. Except, well, you're letting Ty you're you're going to be letting China take Taiwan. Yeah, that's going to take a lot of the chips I'm making from America and give it to China. I know I've been criticized for saying this, but I'm not changing my view. We're going to make sure the supply chain for America begins in America. The supply chain begins in America. We've already created. We've already created when you were new manufacturing jobs without this law before the law get, kicks in. With this new law, we're going to create hundreds of wow. thousands of new jobs across the country. And I mean, all across the country, throughout not just the coast, but through the middle of the country as well. That's going to come from companies that have announced more than three hundred billion dollars in investment in American manufacturing over the next few years. Outside of Columbus, Ohio, Intel is building semiconductor factories on a thousand acres, literally a field of dreams 
It's going to create 10,000 jobs, that one investment, 7,000 construction jobs, 3,000 jobs in those factories once they're finished. They call them factories. Jobs paying an average of $130,000 a year, and many do not require a college oh. degree. Jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Because we work together, these jobs where people don't have to leave home to search for opportunity. And it's just getting started. Think about the new homes, the small businesses, the big, the medium-sized businesses. So much more that's going to be needed to support those. Except there's fewer, those fewer than there were last, in the last few years. And the factories that are going to be built. Talk to mayors and governors, Democrats and Republicans, and they'll tell you what this means for their communities. We're seeing these field of dreams transformed to the heartland. But to maintain the strongest economy in the world, we need the best infrastructure in the world. And folks, as you all know, we used to be number one in the world in infrastructure. We've sunk to 13th in the world. The United States of America, 13th in the world in infrastructure, modern infrastructure. But now we're coming back because we came together and passed a bipartisan infrastructure law. The largest investment in infrastructure since President Eisenhower's interstate highway system. And folks, already we've funded over 20,000 projects, including major airports from Boston to Atlanta to Portland. Projects that are going to put thousands of people to work rebuilding our highways, our bridges, our railroads, our tunnels, ports, airports, clean water, high-speed internet, all across America. Urban, rural, tribal. And folks, we're just getting started. We're just getting started. <laughs> just getting started, buddy. Yeah. And I mean this sincerely. I want to thank my Republican friends who voted for the law. And my Republican friends who voted against it as well. Oh, but I'm still, I, I still get asked to fund the projects in those districts as well. But don't worry. I promised I'd be a president for all Americans. We'll fund these projects. And I'll see you at the groundbreaking. Look. This law. This law will further unite all of America. Projects like Brent Spent Bridge in Kentucky over the Ohio River, built 60 years ago, badly needed repairs, one of the nation's most congested freight routes, carrying $2 billion worth of freight every single day across the Ohio River. And folks, I've been talking about fixing it for decades, but we're really finally going to get it done. I went there last month with Democrats and Republicans and from both states to deliver a commitment of $1.6 billion for this project. Oh, my God. And while I was there, I met a young woman named Sarah, who's here tonight. I don't know where Sarah is. Is she up in the box? I don't know. Sarah, how are you? Well, Sarah, for 30 years, for 30 years, I learned, she told me she'd been a proud member of the Iron Workers Local 44, known as... <laughs> known as the Cowboys in the Sky. 
the folks who built, built Cincinnati's skyline. Sarah said she can't wait to be 10 stories above oh, really? the Ohio River building that new bridge. God bless her. That's pride. And that's what we're also building. We're building back pride. Look, we're also replacing poisonous lead pipes that go into 10 million homes in America. 400,000 school and child care centers. So every child in America, every child in America can drink the water instead of having permanent damage to their brain. Look, <laughs> we're making sure. <clears throat> we're making sure. <laughs> That's funny. Oh. That every community, every community in America has access to affordable high-speed internet. No parent should have to drive by McDonald's parking lot to help them do their homework uh, online with their kids, which many thousands are doing across the country. Oh my God! And when we do Perfect these projects, your brain. And again, I get criticized for this, but I make no excuses for it. We're going to buy American. We're going to buy American. Folks. Oh, the irony! And it's totally. It's totally consistent with international trade rules. Buy America has been the law since 1933, but for too long, past administrations, Democrat and Republican, have fought to get around it. Not anymore. Tonight, I'm announcing new standards require all construction materials used in federal infrastructure projects to be made in America. I'm very curious about how he's handling that. I mean it. Lumber, glass, drywall, fiber optic cable. And on my watch, American roads, bridges, and American highways are going to be made with American products as well. Folks, my economic plan is about investing in places and people that have been forgotten. So many of you listen to me tonight. I know you feel it. So many of you felt like you've just simply been forgotten. Amid the economic upheaval of the past four decades, hmm. too many people have been left behind and treated like they're invisible. Maybe that's you watching from home. Remember the jobs that went away. You remember them, don't you? The folks at home remember them. You wonder whether the path even exists anymore for your children to get ahead without having to move away. Well, that's why I get that. That's why... We're building an economy where no one's left behind. Jobs are coming back. Pride is coming back. Because choices we made in the last several years. Hmm. You know, this is my view, a blue collar blueprint to rebuild America, and make a real difference in your lives at home. Hmm. For example, too many of you lay in bed at night like my dad did, staring at the ceiling, wondering, what in God names happens? Laying in bed. Your spouse. Yeah, the irony, cancer. Biden. The when irony. Your child gets uh, deadly ill. Yeah, we got Fetterman. Something to you. <laughs> yeah, Biden. Biden. Fetterman. It's a no-brainer. You're going to have to sell the house <laughs> or try to get a second mortgage on it. I get it. I get it. With the Inflation Reduction Act that I signed into law, we're taking on powerful interest to bring health care costs down, so you can sleep better at night with more security. You know, we pay more for prescription drugs than any nation in the world. Let me say it again. 
We pay more for prescription drugs than any major nation on earth. For example, one in 10 Americans has diabetes. Many of you in this chamber do, and in the audience. But every day, millions need insulin to control their diabetes so they can literally stay alive. Insulin's been around for over 100 because you want it to be available for everyone. It costs the drug companies roughly $10 a vial. Yeah, there we go. I'm back. Sorry about that, guys. Sorry Packaging and all, you may get I'm up back. to $13. I'll cut out there, but I'm back now. But Big Pharma has been unfairly charging people hundreds of dollars, four to $500 a oh, month. Big Pharma? He mentioned Big Pharma. I'll profits. give him that. <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah. Not anymore. <clears throat> <laughs> so many, so many things that we did are only now coming to fruition. We said we were doing this and we said we passed the law to do it, but people didn't know because the law didn't take effect until January 1 of this year. We capped the cost of insulin at $35 a month for seniors on Medicare. Except, um, except um, that Inflation Reduction Act had all your had all of Bill Gates' climate agenda policies. His a climate look, wish agenda look, wish policies. Other Americans all of, of Bill Gates' not, are not climate Medicare, change including policies, wish, young wishing, people wish list policies with type 1 diabetes need, these need this insulin to stay alive. Let's finish the job this time. Let's cap the cost of insulin for everybody at $35. Folks, the big farmers still going to do very well, I promise you all. I promise you they're going to do very well. This law, so, this law also caps and won't even go into effect until 2025. Costs out-of-pocket drug costs for seniors on Medicare at a maximum of two thousand dollars a year. You don't have to pay more than two thousand dollars a year, no matter how much your drug costs are, because you know why? You all know it. Many of you, like many in my family, have cancer. You know the drugs can range from ten, eleven, fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars for the cancer drugs. If drug prices rise faster than inflation, drug companies are going to have to pay Medicare back the difference. We're finally, we're finally giving Medicare the power to negotiate drug prices. Bringing down, bringing down prescription drug costs doesn't just save seniors money. It cuts the federal deficit by billions of dollars. Trump was the first president By in decades that lowered prescription because drug prices. Prescription drugs Trump was the first one, buddy, not you. By Medicare to make keep their commitment to the seniors. Well, guess what? Instead of paying four or five hundred bucks a month, you're paying fifteen. That's a lot of savings for the federal government. And by the way, why wouldn't we want that? Now some members here are threatening. And I know it's not an official party position, so I'm not going to exaggerate. But certainly to repeal the Inflation Reduction Act. As my coach, that's okay. That's fair. 
as my football coach used to say, lots of luck in your senior year. <laughs> Make no mistake, if you try anything to raise the cost of presenting jobs, I will veto it. to say that more Americans have health insurance now than ever in history. A record 16 million people are enrolled in the Affordable Care Act. And thanks, thanks to the law I signed last year, saving millions are saving $800 a year on their premiums. And by the way, that law was written and the benefit expires in 2025. So my plea to some of you, at least in this audience, Let's finish the job and make these savings permanent. Uh, Expand coverage. Really, buddy? Oh, my. Look at Mitt Romney and Kirsten Simmer right there. Look at those two. Look. They look like they're just standing there. The Inflation Reduction Act is also the most significant investment ever in climate change. Romney looked like he was probably enjoying it. Lower utility bills. Creating American jobs. Leading the world to a clean energy future, I visited the devastating aftermath of record floods, droughts, storms, and wildfires from Arizona to Mexico to all the way up to the Canadian border. More timber has been burned, as I've observed from helicopters, than the entire state of Missouri. And we don't have global warming? Not a problem. In addition to emergency recovery from Puerto Rico to Florida to Idaho, we're rebuilding for the long term. New electric grids that are able to weather major storms and not prevent those fire, forest fires. Roads and water systems will stand the next big flood. Clean energy to cut pollution and create jobs in communities often left behind. We're going to build 500,000 electric vehicle charging stations installed across the country except, by tens of thousands of IBW workers. Except, Biden, by 2026, you're at, you're, you passed a bill that by 2026, every car will have a chip put in there where someone who's not even in the car can turn the car off and you can't start it back up. They can just, they can just turn it off whenever they want conservation efforts to be responsible stewards of our land. Let's face reality. The climate crisis doesn't care if you're in a red or blue state. It's an existential threat. We have an obligation, not to ourselves, but to our children and grandchildren to confront it. I'm proud of how, the, how America at last is stepping up to the challenge. We're still going to need oil and gas for a while. But guess what? No, we do. But there's so much more to do. We got to finish the job. Yeah. We pay for these investments in our future by finally making the wealthiest and biggest corporations. Climate change is a hope, guys. He's telling me that right now. Just begin. Alien Omar, the one who got kicked off the committee and rightfully so got kicked off her committee. Look, I'm a capitalist. I'm a capitalist, but pay your fair share. You're not a capitalist, buddy. I think You're a, lot a socialist. Of you at home, a lot of you at home agree with me and many people that you know. The tax system is not fair. It is not fair. Look, the idea that in 2020, 55 of the largest corporations in America, the Fortune 500, made $40 billion in profits and paid zero in federal taxes? 
Zero? Folks, it's simply not fair. But now, because of the law I signed, billion-dollar companies have to pay a minimum of 15%. God love them. Oh, my God. 15%. That's less than a nurse pays. Except why are you guys raising your own wages then in Congress? All you guys raised your own wages. That's a fact. That's undeniable. My plans, as long as I'm president, nobody earning less than four hundred thousand dollars will pay an additional penny in taxes. Nobody. That's a lie. You're raising inflation, buddy. You're not passing any bills to do it at the moment. You're just raising inflation. We have to reward work, not just wealth. Pass my proposal for the billionaire minimum tax. You know. There's a thousand billionaires in America. It's up from about 600 in the beginning of the term. But no billionaire should be paying a lower tax rate than a school teacher or firefighter. Well, I mean it. Think about it. I mean, look. I know you aren't enthusiastic about that, but think about it. Think about it. Huh. Have you noticed Big Oil just reported his profits, record profits? Last year, they made $200 billion in the midst of a global energy crisis. I think it's outrageous. Why? They invested too little of that profit to increase domestic production. They did not increase profit, buddy. They, they, they the profit lowered. They the just oil increased oil the revenue. Oil because oil of inflation, anyway, they didn't get so we any more profit. I that, said, we're going to need oil that, that for at least another happened, decade. Buddy. I'm letting you know right now. And that's going to exceed. I'm beyond that. We're going to need it. Production. If they had, in fact, invested in the production to keep gas prices down, instead, they used the record profits to buy back their own stock, rewarding the CEOs and shareholders. Corporations ought to do the right thing. That's why I propose we quadruple the tax on corporate stock buybacks and encourage long, long-term investments. Then, if you want to do something like that, make sure that you get making sure no members of Congress can do stock training. This training, then, buddy. No, con- no member of Congress should be able to do stock training. That should be illegal. I just signed a law to reduce the deficit by one hundred and fourteen billion dollars by cracking down on wealthy tax cheats. That's being fiscally Manchin, look at him right there. Look at Joe Manchin right the there. two years, my administration has cut the deficit by more than $1.7 trillion. Oh. The largest deficit reduction in American history. <laughs> Under the previous administration, We're in trillion the American deficit went debt. up four years in a row. Except, and because it's also going up on deficits, your hand, no buddy. No president added more to the national debt in any four years than my predecessor. Nearly 25% of the entire national debt that took over 200 years to accumulate was added by just one administration alone in the last one. two. They're the facts. Check it out. Check it out. Uh, buddy, you're in, you raised way more than more deficit right than Trump the did. I'm just telling you right now. Without preconditions or crisis. They paid American bills to prevent an economic disaster in the country. So tonight I'm asking the Congress to follow suit. Let's commit here tonight to the full faith and credit of the United States of America will never, ever be questioned. 
So my many of some of my Republican friends want to take the economy hostage. I get it, unless I agree to their economic plans. All of you at home should know what those plans are. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. Yeah, look at all the booze, buddy. Look at all the booze. Anybody who doubts it. Look at all the booze. I'll give you a copy. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. That means Congress doesn't vote. Yeah. Yeah. Raise it. Glad to see you. No, I tell you, I, I enjoy conversion. You know, it means if, if Congress doesn't keep the programs the way they are, they'd go away. Other Republicans say, I'm not saying it's a majority of you. I don't even think it's even a significant. But it's being proposed by individuals. <laughs> I'm not politely not naming them, but it's being proposed by some of you. Yeah. Look. Liar. Folks. Look the idea is. Biden doesn't even know what he's doing right be, here. We're, we're not going to be moved into being threatened to default on the debt if we don't respond. Folks. So, folks, as we all apparently agree, Social Security and Medicare is off the, off the books now, right? They're not to be stopped. All right. We got unanimity. Social Security and Medicare are a lifeline for millions of seniors. Americans have to pay into them from the very first paycheck they started. So tonight, Let's all agree, and apparently we are. Let's stand up for seniors. Stand up and show them. We will not cut Social Security. We will not cut Medicare. Hmm. Those benefits belong to the American people that earned it. And if anyone tries to cut Social Security, which apparently no one's going to do, and if anyone tries to cut Medicare, I'll stop them. I'll veto it. And look, I'm not going to allow them to take away, be taken away. Not today, not tomorrow, not ever. But apparently it's not going to be a problem. <laughs> Next month, when I offer my fiscal plan, I ask my Republican friends to lay down their plan as well. I really mean it. Let's sit down together and discuss our mutual plans together. <laughs> Let's do that. Look at McCarthy. Look at him. I can tell you. The plan I'm going to show you is going to cut the deficit by another $2 trillion. And it won't cut a single bit of Medicare or Social Security. In fact, we're going to extend the Medicare Trust Fund at least two decades. Because that's going to be the next argument. How do we make keep it solvent, right? Well, we'll not raise tax on anyone making under 400 grand, but... We'll pay for it the way we talked about tonight by making sure that the wealthy and big corporations pay their fair share. Look, 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 Here, here's the deal. They aren't just taking advantage of the tax code. They're taking advantage of you, the American consumer. Here's my message to all of you out there. I have your back. No, you We're don't. already preventing Americans from receiving surprise medical bills. Stopping you're giving the one billion dollars surprise reset, bills buddy. per That's month. That's what you're so doing far. right now. We're protecting. 
seniors' life savings by cracking down the nursing homes that commit fraud, endanger patient safety, prescribe drugs that are not needed. Millions of Americans can now save thousands of dollars because they can finally get a hearing aid over the counter without a prescription. Look, capitalism without competition is not capitalism. It's extortion. No, it's exploitation. It's, it's crony capitalism. Last year, I cracked down with the help of many of you on foreign shipping companies that were making you pay higher prices for every good coming into the country. I signed a bipartisan bill to cut shipping costs by 90%, helping American farmers, businessmen, and consumers. Let's finish the job. Yeah. Pass the bipartisan legislation to strengthen, to strengthen antitrust enforcement and, for big, and prevent big online platforms giving their own products an unfair advantage. My administration is also taking on junk fees. Those hidden surcharges too many companies use to make you pay more. For example, we're making airlines show you the full ticket price up front. Refund your money if your flight is canceled or delayed. We reduce exorbitant bank overdrafts by saving consumers more than $1 billion a year. We're cutting credit card late fees by 75% from $30 to $8. Look, junk fees may not matter to very wealthy, but they matter to most other folks in homes like the one I grew up in, like many of you did. They add up to hundreds of dollars a month. They make it harder for you to pay your bills or afford that family trip. I know how unfair it feels when a company overcharges you and gets away with it. Not anymore. We've written a bill to stop it all. It's called the Junk Fee Prevention Act. We're going to ban surprise resort fees that hotels charge on your bill. Those fees can cost you up to $90 a night at hotels that aren't even resorts. <laughs> we, the idea that cable, internet, and cell phone companies can charge you 200 or more if you decide to switch to another provider. Give me a break. <laughs> we can stop service fees on tickets to concerts and sporting yeah. events and make companies disclose all the fees up front. And we'll prohibit airlines from charging $50 round trip for family just to be able to sit together. Baggage fees are bad enough. Airlines can't treat your child like a piece of baggage. Americans are tired of being. We're tired of being played for suckers. And you're treating us like suckers, Biden. That's what you're doing. Pass the Jump Free Prevention Act so companies stop ripping us off. For too long, Workers have been getting stiffed, but not anymore. We're, getting, we're beginning to restore the dignity of work. For example, I, I, I should have known this, but I didn't until two years ago. 30 million workers have to sign non-compete agreements with the jobs they take, 30 million. So a cashier at a burger place can't walk across town and take the same job at another burger place and make a few bucks more. It just changed. But they just changed it because we exposed it. That was part of the deal, guys. Look it up. <laughs> but not anymore. We're banning those agreements so companies have to compete for workers and pay them what they're worth.
And I must tell you, this is bound to get a response from my friends on my left but the right. I'm so sick and tired of companies breaking the law by preventing workers from organizing. Pass the PRO Act. They're not preventing them. Workers have a right to form a union. Yeah. Um, over 200 Starbucks have unionized. Starbucks didn't prevent that from happening. Sure it happened on the road and Starbucks didn't stop it. Sick days. It still happened. Paid family medical leave. Affordable child care. That's going to enable millions of more people to go and stay at work. And let's restore the full child tax credit which gave tens of millions of parents some breathing room and cut child poverty in half to the lowest level in history. And by the way, when we do all these things, we increase productivity. We increase economic growth. So let's finish the job and get more families access to affordable, quality housing. Let's get seniors who want to stay in their homes the care they need to do so. Let's give more breathing room to millions of family caregivers looking after their loved ones. Pass my plan so we get seniors and people with disabilities the home care and services they need. Huh. And support the workers really? who are doing God's work. These plans are fully paid for and we can afford to do them. Restoring the dignity of work means making education an affordable ticket to the middle class. You know, when we made public education, 12 years of it universal in the last century, we made the best educated, best paid, we became the best educated, best paid nation in the world. But the rest of the world's caught up. It's caught up. Jill, my wife, who teaches full time. Because of all the billions an and billions of dollars you I guys right give to, to all these other countries. Any nation that's why educates us is going to outcompete us. Any nation that out-educates is going to outcompete us. Folks, we all know 12 years of education is not enough to win the economic competition of 21st century. We want to have the best educated workforce. Let's finish the job by providing access to preschool for three and four years old. Studies show that children who go to preschool are nearly 50% more likely to finish high school and go on to earn a two or four year degree, no matter their background they came from. Let's give public school teachers a raise. We're making progress by reducing student debt, increasing Pell Grants for working and middle-class families. Let's finish the job and connect students to career opportunities starting in high school, provide access to two years of community college, the best career training in America in addition to being a pathway to a four-year degree. Let's offer every American a path to a good career, whether they go to college or not. And yeah, I didn't notice. I, I missed that. Biden referred to Jill as a kid. Folks, in the midst of that, the that's a funny crisis, part right there. When schools were closed and we were shutting down everything, let's recognize how far we came in the fight against the pandemic itself. While the virus is not gone, thanks to the resilience of the American people and the ingenuity of medicine, <laughs> we've broken the COVID grip on us. COVID deaths are down by 90%. We've saved millions of lives and opened up our country. We opened our country back up. When are you going to talk and about the vaccines we'll that are killing people? We'll end the public health emergency. 
But that's called a public health emergency. But we'll remember the toll and pain that's never going to go away. More than a million Americans lost their lives to COVID. A million. Families grieving, children orphaned, empty chairs at the dining room table constantly reminding you that she used to sit there. Remembering them, we remain vigilant. We still need to monitor dozens of variants and support new vaccines and treatments. Oh my God. So Congress needs to fund these efforts and keep America safe. And as we emerge from this crisis stronger, we're also got to double down on prosecuting criminals who stole relief money meant to keep workers and small businesses afloat. Before I came to office, you remember, during that campaign, the big issue was about inspector generals who would protect taxpayers' dollars who were sidelined. They were fired. Huh. Many people said, we don't need them. And fraud became rampant. Last year, I told you the watchdogs are back. Since then, yeah, since really? then we recovered billions of taxpayers' dollars. No, we now haven't. let's triple the anti-fraud strike force going after these criminals, double the statute of limitations on these crimes, and crack down on identity fraud by criminal syndicates stealing billions of dollars, billions of dollars from the American people. And the data shows that for every dollar we put into fighting fraud, the taxpayers get back at least 10 times as much. It matters. It matters. Look, COVID left its scars like the spike in violent crime in 2020, the first year of the pandemic. We have an obligation to make sure all people are safe. Public safety depends on public trust, as all of us know. But too often that trust is violated. Join us tonight are the parents of Tyree Nichols. Welcome. Yeah, the guy that was killed by black cops. Black cops, not white cops. It had nothing to do with race, buddy. And yet they still said, oh, it was driven by race because the officers were driven by race. No words to describe the of losing the child. Which makes no sense whatsoever. Imagine. Imagine if you lost that child at the hands of the law. Imagine having to worry whether your son or daughter came home from walking down the street playing in the park or just driving a car. Most of us in here have never had to have the talk, the talk that brown and black parents have had to have with their children. Bo, Hunter, Ashley, my children, I never had to have the talk with them. I never had to tell them if a police officer pulls you over, turn your interior lights on right away. Don't reach for your license. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. Imagine having to worry like that every single time your kid got in a car. Here's what Tyree's mother shared with me when I spoke to her. When I asked her how she finds the courage to carry on and speak out. The faith of God, she said her son was, quote, a beautiful soul and something good will come of this. 
Imagine how much courage and character that takes. It's up to us, to all of us. We all want the same thing. Neighborhoods free of violence. Law enforcement of enforcement who earns the community's trust. Just as every cop when they pin on that badge in the morning has a right to be able to go home at night, so does everybody else out there. Our children have a right to come home safely. Equal protection under the law is a covenant we have with each other in America. We know police officers put their lives on the line every single night and day. And we know we ask them in many cases to do too much to be counselors, social workers, psychologists, responding to drug overdoses, mental health crises, and so much more. In one sense, we ask much too much of them. I know most cops and their families are good, decent, honorable people, the vast majority. But they risk. And they risk their lives every time they put that shield on. But what happened to Tyree in Memphis happens too often. We have to do better. Give law enforcement the real training they need. Hold them to higher standards. Help them succeed in keeping us safe. Hmm. We also need more first responders and professionals to address the growing mental health substance abuse challenges. More resources to reduce violent crime and gun crime. More community intervention programs. More investment in housing, education, and job training. Worry about, just worry about the mental health stuff, buddy, and then you will see crime go down, including gun crime go down as well. When police officers or police departments violate the public trust, they must be held accountable. With the support. With the support of the families of victims, civil rights groups, and law enforcement, I signed an executive order for all federal officers banning chokeholds, restricting no-knock warrants, and other key elements of the George Floyd Act. Let's commit ourselves to make the words of Tyler's mom true. Something good must come from this. Something good. <laughs> and all of us, all of us, Folks, it's difficult, but it's simple. All of us in, the cha in this chamber, we need to rise to this moment. We can't turn away. Let's do what we know in our hearts that we need to do. Let's come together to finish the job on police reform. Do something. Do something. That was the plea of parents who lost their children in Uvalde. I met with every one of them. Do something about gun violence. Thank God. Thank God we did gun violence. Passing the most sweeping gun safety law in three decades. <laughs> My God. That gun law had did not um, that gun law that you passed just almost was trying to put restrictions on all checks for 18 to 21 years old. Red flag laws. 
keeping guns out of the hands of people who are a danger to themselves yeah. and others. But we know our work is not done. Join us tonight is Brandon Say, a 26-year-old hero. Brandon put his college dreams on hold to be at his mom's side. His mom's side when she was dying from cancer. And Brandon... Brandon now works at the dance studio started by his grandparents. And two weeks ago, during the Lunar New Year celebrations, he heard the studio door close. And he saw a man standing there pointing semi-automatic pistol at him. He thought he was going to die, but he thought about the people inside. And in that instant, he found the courage to act and wrestle the semi-automatic pistol away from the gunman who had already killed 11 people in another dance studio. 11. He saved lives. It's time we do the same. Banned assault weapons now. No. Banned them now. Really, bud? I led the fight to do that in 1994. In, in 10 years, that ban was law. Mass shootings went down. After we let it expire in the Republican administration, mass shootings tripled. No, let's finish the job and ban these assault weapons. And let's also come together on immigration. Make it a bipartisan issue once again. We know we now have a record number of personnel working to secure the border. You're not taking our guns, boy. human smugglers. I'm letting you know right now, we are not taking our guns, and we are not going to allow you to take months. our guns. I'm just telling we you this right here. We launched a new border plan last month. Unlawful migration from Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Venezuela has come down 97% as a consequence of that. But American border problems won't be fixed until Congress acts. If we don't pass my comprehensive immigration reform, you mean at least pass my plan to provide the equipment and officers to secure the border. You mean um, the executive orders you get that allows millions and millions of illegal immigrants to come here to America? And a millions. Pathway to citizenship. No. Pathway to citizenship? Hell no. You do not pass that. Here in the people's house, it's our duty to protect all the people's rights and freedoms. Those are not American Congress citizens. They came the here right. illegally. They should not be here. They broke the law. Congress must restore the right that was taken away in Roe v. Wade and protect Roe v. Wade. No, no boy. No, you're not. That was not a constitutional right. That was not a constitutional right. Healthcare and safeguard patient safety. Abortion is not health care. Abortion, extreme abortion ban. Make no mistake about it. If Congress passes a national ban, I will veto it. But let's also pass. Let's also pass the Bipartisan Equality Act to ensure LGBTQ Americans, especially transgender young people, can live with safety and dignity. Our strength. Look at Kirsten Sinema right there. Not just the example of our power. Look at her right there. But the power of our example. 
let's remember the world's watching. I spoke in this chamber one year ago, just days after Vladimir Putin unleashed his brutal attack against Ukraine. A murderous assault, evoking images of death and destruction Europe suffered in World War II. Putin's invasion has been a test for the ages, a test for America, a test for the world. Would we stand for the most basic of principles? Would we stand for sovereignty? We stand for the right of people to live free of tyranny? Will we stand for the defense of democracy? For such defense matters to us because it keeps peace and prevents open season on would-be aggressors and threatens our prosperity. One year later, we know the answer. Yes, we would, and we did. We did. And together, we did what America always does at our best. We led. We united NATO. We built a global coalition. Abolish We stood NATO. against Putin's aggression. We stood with the Ukrainian people to tonight. We're once again joined by Ukrainians ambassador to the United States. She represents not her, just her nation, but the courage of her people. Ambassador, is, our ambassador is here. United, we're in uniting our support of your country. Will you stand so we can all take a look at you? Oh, my God. Thank you. Oh, my. Boom. Because we're going to stand with you as long as it takes. Our nation is working for more freedom, more dignity, more, more peace, not just in Europe, but everywhere. Before I came to office, the story was about how the People's Republic of China was increasing its power. And America is failing in the world. Not anymore. We made clear, and I may give my personal conversations, which have been many, with President Xi, that we seek competition, not conflict. But I will make no apologies that we're investing in, to make America stronger. Investing in American innovation and industries that will define the future that China intends to be dominating. Investing in our alliances and working with our allies to protect advanced technologies so they will not be used against us. Modernizing our military to safeguard stability and determine, to, deter aggression. Today, we're in the strongest position in decades to compete with China or anyone else in the world, anyone else in the world. And I'm committed. I'm committed to work with China where we can advance American interests and benefit the world. You mean you're trying to benefit China even more than you already are? As we made clear last week, if China threatens our sovereignty, we will act to protect our country, and we did. Look, let's be clear. Winning the competition should unite all of us. We face serious challenges across the world. But in the past two years, democracies have become stronger, not weaker. Autocracy has grown weaker, not stronger. Name me a world leader who changed places with Xi Jinping. Name me one. Name me one. America's rallying the world to meet those challenges from climate to global health, to food insecurity, to terrorism, to territorial aggression. Allies are stepping up, spending more and doing more. Look, 
The bridges we're forming between partners in the Pacific and those in the Atlantic, and those who bet against America are learning how wrong they are. It's never, ever been a good bet to bet against America. Never. Most, but never believed it. That's why a year ago I offered a unity agenda to the nation as I stood here. We made real progress yes. together. We passed the law making it easy for doctors to prescribe effective treatments for opioid addiction. We passed yes. the gun safety law making historic investments in mental health. We launched the ARPA-H drive for breakthrough in the fights against cancer, Alzheimer's, and diabetes, and so much more. Yeah. We passed the Heath Robinson Pact Act, named after the late Iraq War veteran whose story about exposure to toxic burn kits I shared here last year. I understand something about those burn pits, but there's so much more to do. We can do it together. Joining us tonight is a father named Doug from Newton, New Hampshire. He wrote Jill, my wife, a letter, and me as well, about his courageous daughter, Courtney. Mm. A contagious laugh, his sister's best friend, her sister's best friend. He shared a story all too familiar to millions of Americans and many of you in the audience. Courtney discovered pills in high school. It spiraled into addiction and eventually death from a fentanyl overdose. She was just 20 years old. Biden, are you going to talk Described about Hunter's addiction? Eight years without her, Doug said, there's no worse pain. Yet their family has turned pain to purpose, working to end the stigma and change laws. He told us he wants to start a journey toward American recovery. Doug, we're with you. Fentanyl is killing more than 70,000 Americans a year. Because, look, because of the border, buddy, you have the border wide open. And that's why I allow much more fentanyl to come over. By the way, my stepdad died from a fentanyl overdose. I'm just so saying. Let's launch a major surge to stop fentanyl production in the sale and trafficking with more drug detection machines, inspection, cargo, stop pills and powder at the border. Working with couriers like FedEx to inspect more packages for drugs. Strong penalties to crack down on fentanyl trafficking. Second, let's do more on mental health, especially for our children. When millions of young people are struggling with bullying, violence, trauma, we owe them greater access to mental health care at their schools. We must finally hold social media companies accountable for experimenting they're doing running children for profit. It's time to pass bipartisan legislation to stop big tech from collecting personal data on our kids and teenagers online. Ban targeted advertising to children and impose stricter limits on the personal data that companies collect on all of us. Third, let's do more to keep this nation's one truly sacred obligation to equip those we send into harm's way and care for them and their families when they come home. 
job training, job placement for veterans and their spouses as they come to return to civilian life, helping veterans afford the rent because no one should be homeless in America, especially someone who served the country. Dennis Dennis McDonough is here in the VA. We had our first real discussion when I asked him to take the job. I'm glad he did. We were losing up to 25 veterans a day on suicide. Now we're losing 17 a day to the silent scourge of suicide. 17 veterans a day are committing suicide. More than all the people being killed in the wars. Folks, VA is doing everything it can, including expanding mental health screening, proven programs that recruit veterans to help other veterans understand what they're going through, get them the help they need. We got to do more. And fourth, last year, Jill and I reignited the cancer moonshot that I was able to start with President Obama asked me to lead our administration. Oh, sorry about that. Audio cut out again. Our goal is to cut the cancer death rates at least by 50% in the next 25 years. Turn more cancers from death sentences to treatable diseases. Provide more support for patients and their families. It's personal to so many of us, so many of us in this audience. Joining us are Morris and Candice, an Irishman and the daughter of immigrants from Panama. They met and fell in love in New York City and got married in the same chapel as Jill and I got married in New York City. Kindred spirits. He wrote us a letter about his little daughter, Ava, and I saw her just before I came over. She was just a year old when she was diagnosed with rare kidney disease, cancer. After 26 blood transfusions, 11 rounds of radiation, eight rounds of chemo, one kidney removed, given a 5% survival rate. He wrote how in the darkest moments he thought, if she goes, I can't stay. Many of you have been through that as well. Jill and I understand that like so many of you. He read Jill's book describing our family's cancer journey and how we tried to steal moments of joy where we could with Bo. For them, that glimmer of joy was the half smile of their baby girl. It meant everything to them. They never gave up hope. Little Ava never gave up hope. She turns four next month. They just found out Ava's beating the odds, is on her way to being cured of cancer. And she's watching from the White House tonight and she's not asleep already. For the lives we can save, For the lives we can say and the lives we've lost, let this be a truly American moment that rallies the country and the world together and proves that we can still do big things. 20 years ago, under the leadership of President Bush and countless advocates and champions, he undertook a bipartisan effort through PEPFAR to transform the global fight against HIV-AIDS. It's been a huge success. He thought big. He thought large. He moved. I believe we can do the same thing with cancer. 
Let's end cancer as we know it. Cure some cancers once and for all. Folks, there's one reason why we've been able to do all of these things. Our democracy itself. It's the most fundamental thing of all. With democracy, everything's possible. Without it, nothing is. The last few years, our democracy has been threatened and attacked, put at risk, put to the test in this very room on January the 6th. And then just a few months ago, an unhinged big lie assailing unleashed a political violence, the home of the then Speaker of the House of Representatives, using the very same language the insurrectionists used as they stalked these halls and chanted on January 6th. Here tonight in this chamber is a man who bears the scars of that brutal attack, but is as tough and as strong and resilient as they get. My friend, Paul Pelosi. Paul, stand up. Such a heinous act should have never happened. We must all speak out. There's no place for political violence in America. We have to protect the right to vote, not suppress the fat fundamental right. Honor the results of our elections, not subvert the will of the people. We have to uphold the rule of law and restore trust in our institutions of democracy. We must give hate and extremism in any form no safe harbor. Democracy must not be a partisan issue. It's an American issue. Every generation of Americans has faced a moment where they haven't been called to protect our democracy, defend it, stand up for it. And this is our moment. My fellow Americans, we meet tonight at an inflection point, one of those moments that only a few generations ever face where the direction we now take is going to decide the course of this nation for decades to come. We're not bystanders of history. We're not powerless before the forces that confront us. It's within our power of we, the people. We're facing the test of our time. We have to be the nation we've always been at our best, optimistic, hopeful, forward-looking, a nation that embraces light over dark, hope over fear, Unity over duty, stability over chaos. We have to see each other not as enemies, but as fellow Americans. We're good people. The only nation in the world built on an idea. The only one. Other nations are defined by geography, ethnicity. But we're the only nation based on an idea that all of us, every one of us is created equal in the image of God, a nation that stands as a beacon of the world, a nation in a new age of possibilities. So I've come to fulfill my constitutional obligation to report in the State of the Union. And here's my, my, my report. Because the soul of this nation is strong, because the backbone of this nation is strong. Because the people of this nation are strong. The state of the union is strong.
I'm not new to this place. I stand here tonight having served as long as about any one of you have ever served here. <laughs> but I've never been more optimistic about our future, about the future of America. But just to remember who we are. We're the United States of America, and there's nothing, nothing beyond our capacity if we do it together. God bless you all, and may God protect our troops. Thank you. President Biden, in a roughly hour and 15-minute speech, the State of the Union is not the only voice in that chamber tonight. He got some words of encouragement from the left side of the aisle and some words of criticism from the other side of the aisle tonight that seemed to, at times, relish mixing it up, at other times, seemed to be a little taken off guard. Well, it was an energetic, speedy, a boisterous crowd. It's times mm -hmm. uh, unruly, um, but it was... A spicy state of the union, a very energetic crowd, Chuck Todd. Look, I thought he was pretty disciplined. I thought the messaging was disciplined. I, I just was writing this down. He was very much focused on a lot of middles, right? The middle class, the middle of the electorate, the middle of the country. He was really trying to sort of be his identity. He likes to think of himself as Scranton Joe. And I think he really delivered a speech that he believes is who he is, right? Talking about speaking in American right, not speaking in Washington speak, spending more time on junk fees than the fight on the border, spending more time on some of those, on a lot of domestic issues and talking about overseas, which in Washington that may be, some people may say, oh, you should have done more on this and more on that. But this was a case where you could tell they decided they were speaking to voters across the country. They weren't, they weren't speaking to pundits and they weren't speaking mm -hmm. to foreign policy. Analysts. Kristen Walker, let me turn turn to you. At times, well, first of all, he came out and was was extraordinarily gracious to Republican leadership, noting them, congratulating uh, Speaker McCarthy. At times, he seemed to have Republicans singing out of the Democratic playbook. Mm, that's right. <laughs> so there was this really notable moment, Lester, to your point, and you're absolutely right, that I can tell you Democrats are seizing on, which is when he talked about the fact that he will protect Medicare and Social Security. And he had a back and forth with Republicans in the crowd who disagreed with him audibly when he said that some Republicans want to cut Medicare and Social Security. They said, no, no. And he said, OK. And I can tell you that top Democrats are texting me now and saying that they thought that was one of the strongest moments of this speech. Because as one person said to me, for anyone questioning his lucidity, he was sharp and quick with the GOP in that moment. So expect them to tout this in the coming days. I would say, why is that significant? Because our latest poll shows 28% believe that Biden is mentally and physically healthy to be president. So that was one of his important goals, I think, tonight, was to deliver a feisty, strong message. Yeah, I think that they, the White House hoping that he would be that vigorous yeah. presence at this podium tonight. Talking about a vigorous presence, I think some of the, uh, the members of Congress so, in the audience, Hallie, certainly ate their Wheaties this morning. Had sure a lot did. to say, <laughs> pro and con. And Democrats 
and also the Republicans too, the, the Kevin McCarthy's and all the other kinds of people, all the other establishment, they are against us and are laughing at us. Now, McCarthy was putting on his acting show right there, obviously, because um, he, well, he did not even, was, not, was barely speaking at all. He barely even smiled. He was cl- clearly putting on an acting show. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, one sec. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Literally, d- during this entire speech, I was literally um, doing a whole bunch of tweeting and basically doing a lot of replies. Some of the stuff was hilarious. I've been replying to people and stuff like that, getting into arguments with them. So, yeah, like, this entire speech, man, like, it was so embarrassing and so boring that I was literally, I'm doing some tweeting for most of it, almost the entire time, to just take my mind off it, because, like, this, it was hard getting through, guys. That entire speech was hard, and when I say hard, I truly, truly mean hard to get through. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, guys, um, the State of the Union is over. Um, I was thinking about talking about a few other things, but, yeah, I don't think I need to right now. Um, I'm going to – I think I'm going to get off the stream right now. So, yeah. Like, um, I might talk about those another um, in the next video. Like, um, I, w- I was going to – talk just slightly about the Tim Pool and Eliza Blue situation because I did, haven't really given my comments on it, but I'll just give you my quick details on it, then I'll go. I think both I think both of them are pretty much in the wrong with what they're doing. Tim Pool, the quartering, they're both kind of, they're both kind of in put in a box themselves. Like, like I was, I read, I was watching a video of this guy earlier. Um, he gave a great perspective on it. He doesn't like what Tim is doing at all because like um, he's trying to cover up seems like he's trying to cover up what Eliza's doing. But at the same time, Jeremy from the quartering seems like he's a little jealous of, of him. And he doesn't think that's undeniable. Undi- he doesn't think that's even deniable. And when I looked and when I heard that, I was like, oh, my God, this guy actually is right. I, I was wa- That video I saw, man, that was really, really cool. Like, um, like basically, my, my basic perspective on it is that um, they're both in the wrong. They're both putting on, putting on like, um, they're both putting on like a big argument and stuff like that. So yeah, they're both making each other look bad. That it's it, that's just what it is. Like with Tim Pool blocking the quartering, and yeah, and basically the quartering basically targeting Tim. Like um, where like um, where like I'm sending tweeting the, all all the, throughout the night of when of Tim's stream. So yeah, and that video I believe that Tim did not today but yesterday had more dislikes than it did likes. And I don't know about today's video yet, uh, Tim Cast IRL. It might, it might not. I don't know for a fact. When I'm when I get off, I'm gonna go check that out just to take a look at it. So yeah. So yeah, guys. Like um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'll talk about that in the next video. I'll I'll talk a little more about because I have an I I I, did, I gave you just a basic um perspective on it. I'll go full on full on in on it. So yeah. And yeah, and yeah, guys. Like um, I was rushing a little bit to get this episode so yeah that that's why i'm immediately it started the moment i turned it off so yeah all right so yeah i'm gonna get off here right now and basically go work on a couple things and and yeah all right guys make sure to like this video subscribe to the show here on rumble my channel here on rumble and also follow me on all the old all the social media platforms as well because i'm on all of them also follow me on BitChute as well that one as well as well follow me on all the other all the podcast platforms because I'm on all those as well. All right, there. 
I'm Ray, and I'm the host of the Ray Infinity Show podcast. This is episode number 94. Catch you guys later. Peace!